of course, as soon as you get like the registration email, then you're like, oh, I guess I should probably like check out the website a little deeper. And then I think we're like, oh, we, we, wait, we have to orienteer like maps? There's compasses? Yes, the logistics of this race oh. is And then you look at like the elevation profile, you're like, I thought Wales was flat. Back to the next episode of the Trail Romney Women podcast. Wow, I almost couldn't even say that properly. Today I'm speaking with my guest, Teresa. Nielsen, and she is currently in the Yukon, and we just had such a fun conversation about her running in general, and just sort of the races that she's taking on, and what I loved most was that there was definitely no fear from Teresa at all, it was just what seemed like a cool race to do, and a way to push her body, and very aware of the things she needs to work on to cover them. She's going after the Triple Crown, which is three 200 milers, Tahoe, Bigfoot, and Moab. Just like epic, epic distances and how she's going to get through those. And I always think people who are like not afraid to go after things like that are such a good example for other women in the sport to just be like, yeah, go after the biggest thing you can and see what happens. She has finished Dragon's Back, which is that epic race in Wales across the spine. She's finished Hurt twice. So training in the Yukon, which is Northern, Northern Canada, to take on a very hot and humid race, super impressive. She placed first at Iron Horse. She will continue to get faster. She's only 35 years old and still taking on such long races and we need more female participation in these. So she's really just sort of breaking trail for the rest of us. So I guess that means if you hear this episode, we have to sign up for a 200 soon. That escalated quickly, didn't it? She is also a critical care flight paramedic and does volunteer work on the side. So obviously very busy, but we get into a bit about how to train with shift work. And I always think that's interesting. Um, I'm married to somebody who does shift work as well, a first responder. And I have a few athletes that I coach that are nurses and really trying to find the balance between when you just need to catch up from those night shifts because sleep is so epically important, especially with the volume that everybody is running and how to navigate that. It's a, it's a tricky place. So we have some good tips there and she's just a fun person to chat to. So I think you guys are really gonna like this story. Instagram at hillsport55 and check out the link there to the Patreon and get the rest of the episodes. And if you just wanna support the show, that's a super nice way. You can also leave us a five-star rating on apples or spotify all those things really fun and keep reaching out with guest ideas last thing i'll say is this episode is brought to you by knack bar so if you have not tried the canadian company but they ship everywhere i encourage you to check out the show notes for knack bar dot um, com use discount code tlrw15 for 15 percent off for all of their delicious sustainably caught no sustainable ingredients sustainable packaging all the things we want from a nutrition brand um they're awesome love them okay guys this is it all right welcome back to the next episode of the trail running women podcast i'm here today with my first guest from the yukon but they are currently in alberta joining me early in the morning on a monday so thank you very much after a night of work um so many great things that you have accomplished i'm excited to get into all of them so welcome to the show Teresa. awesome thank you excited as well so let's give our listeners a bit of background i'm trying to decide if i want to talk about your running history or your work history because they're both so interesting so maybe let's um just stick to like you as a person in general where are you from originally and how did you end up uh in the yukon 
Okay. So, I mean, I grew up in Airdrie, Alberta, um, okay. but my family's initially from the Bow Valley. So kind of roots in Harvey Heights and Exshaw. So I spent a ton of my childhood in Canmore with uh, my grandparents and it kind of led to this love of mountains. So that's kind of where the trail running, mountain hiking, crazy adventure kind of side came from. Um, and then just with that high energy, of course, I also pick a high energy career. So I also started as um, a paramedic in Alberta, just on ground ambulance, uh, and then just kind of pushed further with education and uh, eventually got a position in the Yukon as a critical care flight medic. So yeah, that's kind of how I ended up there. <laughs> That's awesome. And I didn't mean to make it sound for, cause I actually I coach an athlete from the Yukon too. And I'm always so amazed with their runs. Um, I didn't mean to make it sound like that was such a weird place to be. Usually the story of how one gets to Yukon is through some awesome work adventure and not that they were born there. That's what I was just my disclaimer. It's very fair. A lot of people will be like, <laughs> I'll say, uh, yeah, I, I live in the Yukon and you always get kind of that sideway glance as they're like the Yukon. Oh yeah, the Yukon. <laughs> <laughs> I know someone else who was in their 20s that was working in a mining facility up there. Sounded totally bananas, like not allowed to come out of the bunker for like 10 days at a time and all sorts of crazy things. Oh my goodness. Well, I definitely come out of my bunker. I would go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, no kidding. Um, okay, so let's talk a bit about Canmore is northern-ish Alberta, so also very cold, long winters. Um, what sports did you play growing up and were you an athlete? Uh, I was super athletic as a kid. I wouldn't say I was ever like professional or, or anything like that. Like I, I did track and field in high school. Um, I played a ton of soccer. I think I only made it to like maybe like Div 2. So it's not like I was crazy um, good at anything. I kind of, I think I did so much sports that I never really focused on one. Um, and then of course, like, any weekend holiday was all spent in Canmore with my grandparents and it was camping or hiking like BC pretty much anywhere we could get outdoors as kids is is that's that's where it was and then how did you find trail running specifically so a long time ago I was kind of just getting into fitness and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I'd go to the gym and I'd see all this equipment and I'd just be like overwhelmed. And so I hired a coach to kind of get me into it, explain the stuff. And at the time he was training for a half marathon and he was like, well, why don't you do this with me? And in my mind, I'm like, half marathon? Like, are you kidding me? Like people don't run that far. Uh, <laughs> and of course, you know, I did it thought maybe I was going to die. And then maybe like a week later, thought to myself like, oh no, I I'm okay. I could do that again. And then as we know, it kind of just spirals out of control. And uh, before you know it, you're, you're running 200 miles. Okay. So let's back up for a second, because I know the things that you have accomplished since then. You said you were just getting into fitness. So was this like, get, you're 35 now. So how old were you? Uh, I'd probably say like mid twenties, you know, like kind of coming out of that, like late teens, early twenties, like college years. Um, you know, you have like your good times, you're partying and then you're finally starting to settle down and you're like, all right. Yeah. Like I, I'd like to get back into like going to the gym and stuff. 
Okay. So it was health reasons and not something you needed for work? Yeah, no, not at all. It was just kind of like, oh man, like I, I miss when I used to be very active. Totally. Yeah. That's such a common story we find in this podcast too. And it's so funny how everybody has that same kind of feeling like half marathon is totally <laughs> insane. Like nobody runs that far. And then you're like, oh, now that I've done it, maybe I could do like a little farther and then yet yeah, escalate really quickly. It's just a really deep, dark spiral of distance. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And there it seems to be either people want to then get faster at those distances. And that to me sounds terrible. Or you're like, what kind of new boundary can I push going longer? Which is yeah, equally as painful, but in a easier to accept way, I think. I totally agree. Yeah. So some of the things you have done are totally insane. So, I mean, our people, our people, our listeners know about Hurt. We've talked about it quite a bit. If you don't know about Hurt 100 Miler, we'll get into it a bit. Um, but I encourage you to just like peruse their website and Instagram, read the book of Hurt if you can. Um, and then also Dragon's Back. So we just had Katie Mills who crushed the female field this year in 2020, or I guess last year, 2021 and came seventh overall beating the majority of the men um, and we went through dragons back like piece by piece and that in itself to finish even day one I feel like is a huge feat so those are some huge races to go from a first half marathon mid-20s talk us through kind of getting through that half marathon and then how you eventually had your eyes on these massive races yeah so I mean you're kind of like just blind to the world. Like I didn't even know trail running was a thing. I didn't know that ultra running and distance was a thing. Like when I had kind of just comprehended what a half marathon was, I was like, Oh my goodness, people do twice this and they do a full marathon. So it's kind of that like progression where you're like, Oh, but, but I survived and it hurt, but I didn't die. So you do that next one and then you do the marathon and you're like, oh man, that was super tough. Like I could never do more than that. But like, then you just kind of go further and further. I think the big change for me was when I went to, from road running to trail running. Cause you're just in like a different mindset. You're going a different pace. Like it's just completely chill and relaxed. If that makes sense. Like the distance are longer you're going way slower, but you're just relaxed. So it's not kind of like, I think when you're road running, you feel like you're always pushing that pace, you know, like you're in these big crowds of people. So you're, you're trying to get those like best times and stuff. Whereas I think when you cross over to the trail, you just kind of like, huh, all right, cool. And just like settle in for the day. Yeah. And it's relaxing, but still painful in a satisfying way where you're like, okay, I have this problem. Like I need to get food, but I'm going to feel sick. How do I solve this problem? And you sort of have time to like put the puzzle together instead of just being like red line, red line, red line, red line. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's the big difference I would say. Like I think, so we, to, like, what, what was your first trail race? You remember? Oh my goodness. I think it was, uh, I want to say, um, I want to say it was one of the ones at the Nordic Center. So I would say probably Rendell's Revenge 50K. So that would be okay. like June because I was um, signed up to do the Canadian Death Race that year. Um, and so I, I thought to myself, like, oh, I should probably, like, go try a trail race before I do the Death Race solo. And so I had done that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
Oh, it's ridiculous. It's so casual. I know. It's like, it's like, there's no way of like, you see all the distances on, like you're on ultra sign up and you're like, oh, look at this super fun 20 mile race. But hey, cool. There's also a hundred mile distance. I might as well do that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So talk is it, which came first, hurt or dragon's back? Um, hurt the first time. Cause I've done hurt twice now. Um, okay. Yeah. So hurt in 2018 would have been first. And then I did dragon's back the next year. Cause I actually did it with, um, Randy that I would always see at hurt. Oh, okay. Yes. It's all coming together. Okay. So these are all quite, quite recent. So talk us through Hurt. Maybe tell our listeners a bit about it in case they haven't heard about that race, where it is, um, any highlights. So, I mean, I actually have attempted Hurt three times. The first time I want to say was 2016. Uh, and I think I was kind of on this like high where I was like, I just got into trail running. I was doing really well. I'd done kind of the hundred K distance and I thought, yeah, I'll try a hundred miles. And I threw my name into the hurt lottery thinking like, there's no chance of getting in. Of course, that's when you do get in. Um, so I hadn't run a hundred miles yet. So I, I think I signed up for lost souls that year in the fall, just so again, I could see if I could run a hundred miles. So I'd have kind of like the mind game for Hurt. And mm-hmm. so I did Lost Souls. I finished it. And then I was like, kind of on that runner's high where I was like, oh yeah, uh, Hurt will be the same. It'll be just as easy. Um, and then I went, I'd like to say it was 2016, I think. And I just got so sick. Like the course just chewed me alive. And I got a fun run, which is I think 110 kilometers maybe. And then, okay, so what was it about that race that beat you up? So the the problem with it is just the heat and the humidity. And then especially right. coming from Canada, where it's dry and cold all winter. It's uh, kind of what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah, and it's like the race is in the middle of January. So you're essentially getting the bulk of your training in the coldest part of our year. And then you're going to this like super hot, humid place and running in the jungle. So your electrolytes are like completely off. I think that's the most I've hallucinated. And I just got so, so sick. Did you train for the heat at all? Or were you just thinking like, I'll just tough it out? No, I, I blindly thought like, cause I'd finished Lost Souls in um, like <laughs> September. I was like, oh yeah, I was hot during that race and I was fine. So I just blindly had this confidence that I would just be totally fine in Hawaii. And I was just a completely different beast. So the next time you went, what adjustments did you make in training? I did heat training. <laughs> so I would, uh, I pretty much trained for the entire thing in a stairwell and on a treadmill because I don't like running in the cold. Oh my so God. I would oh go, there's like the YMCA and I would, um, it was like the YMCA was in the self-help campus in Calgary. So I would yeah. go and I'd run like a 10K on the treadmill and then I'd do an hour of stair repeats and then I'd go sit in the sauna until I thought I was going to throw up and then I'd do that again and again and again. <laughs> did it? And did that work? Yeah, it made a huge difference. Wow. Okay. So do you think it was just the shock or like your body's ability to stay um, comfortable and functioning in that, un- like that painful heat? Yeah. I think you just get used to, cause like, with that heat for me, like I just, I get so nauseous in it. Like I love running in the heat, 
but I'll just get so sick. But then because it's a hundred miles, I just think to myself, well, I'll just keep eating while you can. And then when you can't, yeah. you should have enough stores to grunt it through. <laughs> and so like, I think what I find the tricky part, cause I love the heat too. And then I went down and was running in Georgia and it's the humidity that I find that you can't, um, like replicate to train in but I guess the sauna kind of helps with that a little bit yeah like just getting used to just being soaked for the whole race like you're just like and then what about how to get food in um because nausea is something that people deal with a lot what were your tools to make sure that you could continue to eat even if you didn't feel good uh it's kind of like with every race my mantra is always like eat early eat often drink early drink often So it's like when you're feeling great in that first 50 miles, like just get as many calories in you as possible. And kind of like from once, once you kind of like the, the wheels start falling off, then I'll usually I'll set like a timer or if I have a pacer, I'll get them to kind of tell me like every like 15 minutes, I want to take a sip of water, even if it's like the tiniest sip and every 30 minutes, I want to take a bite of food. Um, because it's nice having that reminder, like if you have somebody with you, that's just like eat, drink, you know, you're like, okay, all right. Totally. Yeah. So how many calories per hour do you like to aim for in that beginning? Oh man, I don't, I kind of just, I don't even really like think calorie wise. I kind of just, um, I'm not very scientific with my running. I'm pretty like put some sandwiches in your bag and go for the day and see what happens. If you run out, find some berries on the trail. I probably should be way more scientific with it. I'd probably do much better, but I'm pretty like, you know. No, I think you just toss some stuff in a bag and go. You just summed up like why you are a very good trail runner and not so crazy about the road. Yeah. I mean, especially in training runs, like I've got to the point where uh, like I'll try doing runs, just eating less. Because then you, I think you kind of get used to um not requiring all those calories on me. I don't know. Maybe that's a science that I've made up in my own mind. No, I kind of know what you mean. And I think there's two camps because it's like, sometimes I'll just run fasted, which some people say is really bad for your hormones, but same thing. I just kind of want to see what it feels like. And like, if I was to get stuck in that situation to know that I've been there before. And like, maybe if I breathe a certain way or something that I can work through that. But then on the flip side, I think people try to do that too much in training. And one of the things that they need to do is practice digesting food while you are at like a full effort for so long and train your stomach. Um, And I think that gets overlooked a lot with people. And I'm sure some of it has to do with body image of feeling like they're out there running and they're taking in too many calories and different sort of little mental struggles that women especially have. But you can't expect expect to run without any food most days and then get to a race and be able to tolerate the amount of food you need to kind of push the effort. Yeah, for sure. That's almost like a recipe for disaster where you're essentially going to be nauseous at some point, just depending when it is. Yeah, exactly. And obviously you can't recreate like the super hard moments, but yeah. in my last 100K, I remember that being like literally four hours of the race was like every half an hour I had a goal to take a bite of something and it was great like it let my mind focus on something but it like it's really hard yeah I know that's it's probably the thing that I'm the absolute worst at is like making sure those calories are constantly in like 
on my days off, it's not an issue. But then as soon as you're running, oh, you're just like, oh, I don't want to be nauseous. So I'll just skip eating this time. Yeah. And then suddenly you're like, oh, my knee hurts. And I don't really know why. And like, it can all be to do with blood sugar. And it's just, yeah, it's a real mess. Yeah, you get the giant swings mid run and you're like, why do I feel so terrible? And then if I'm training with my husband, I'll be like, why do I like feel a hundred percent certain that we need a divorce right now? <laughs> Maybe you should eat something before you kill me. Oh, yeah. But you're trying to read a map and you're like, ah, oh, why does this not make any sense at all? Let's get a bit into your uh, dragon's back. So if you haven't listened to Katie's episode, I urge listeners to go back to really get an idea of how absolutely insane dragon's back is. Um, what made you want to do that race? So of course it was Randy that gave us the idea. There was a group of three of us that went. It was Randy, myself, and our other friend Lourdes from Alberta. Um, and so Randy had been like, Hey, have you heard of this race? And then of course, like Lourdes and I are like, Oh, sounds great. Let's sign up. And then I think we'd signed up before we'd like really knew what we were getting into. <laughs> and then, of course, as soon as you get like the registration email, then you're like, Oh, I guess I should probably like check out the website a little deeper. And then I think we're like, Oh, we, we wait, we have to orienteer, like read maps. There's compasses. Yes, the logistics of this race oh. is bananas. And then you look at like the elevation profile. You're like, I thought Wales was flat. Like, uh-oh. No. Yes. Um, surprise. Wales is beautiful and has a lot of mountains. Yes, a lot of mountains, <laughs> a lot of jaggedy, rockety, scary mountains. Yes. Yes. That was some interesting, like it was a learning curve to go from Canada where the norm is like these nice beautiful gentle switchbacks like trails that have been made and manicured by parks and everything and then you go to like the UK and you kind of get introduced to fell running and you're like well what's fell running and they essentially just point at a mountain and you say you run up it you pick the quickest easiest steepest route and that's what you do I was like, ah, so there's no trails? <laughs> nope. Yeah, because that's the thing with Dragon's Back is you can kind of choose the way you want to go, right? Yeah, like there's a couple spots you can't go. Like you can't go through um, like private property and stuff like that. So there's a few sections that they block out that they say you can't go. But other than that, it's like a choose your own adventure. Um, and like thankfully I had a really good weather year because if it was really foggy, I probably would have fallen off a cliff. And that first section that you guys go over um I think it freaks a lot of people out and they kind of hit the panic button yeah it was like it was an eye over I remember finishing the first day of that um and just thinking like why am I here like I don't belong here but then you wake up the next day you do it again and you're like okay well I made the cutoff I guess we go again tomorrow and then you just keep going <laughs> Let's get into a bit of the job that you have. And I want to know, like, we have a lot of people that work shift work that reach out and they ask questions about training um, and how to fit it all in, especially if you're not sleeping well. So tell us a bit about what you do for work now and what it looks like kind of day to day. And then I want to know how you train for 100 milers and epic adventures like this while having um, a pretty demanding job. For sure. So it definitely was an adjustment to get used to. Um, I think anybody that works shift work knows just the absolute 
like exhaustion of coming your first day coming off. So um, right now my shift makeup is like I work four days on and then I have five days off. Um, but usually your first day off is just, it's like a nothing day because your like brain is bananas and like, you're just exhausted. Um, and so it's a 12 hour shift. Uh, but because now that I'm doing flights, like it's fairly rare that you will actually only work 12 hours. So consistently, um, like you could work up to 16 hours easily and then you're just so sleep deprived by the time you're off that I usually take my first day off completely off. And then the next four I'll do kind of heavier training. And then if I'm not super busy at work, I'll try and get shorter or strength training in, in the mornings of days that I work. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think like the main thing I'm hearing is like prioritizing recovering from the shifts instead of trying to push through. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's always that difference between like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go out and making that excuse. And then there's that difference between like, you're forcing yourself to go out and you're just going to have like the like lead legs trip on a log and hurt yourself tired. So I think you kind of get used to that, like that difference where you're just kind of making excuses to not go out and where you're just like, I need a day. Totally. We talk about that a lot, like the 10 minute rule too. If you kind of, maybe you're just too cozy on the couch. And usually if you go out and start running for 10 or 15 minutes, you'll know pretty quick if you actually need to rest or if you are just feeling lazy. Oh, totally. Yeah. I have, mine's usually like the 30 minute rule. I take forever to warm up into a run so I almost always feel terrible in the beginning but if I make it to like half an hour and I'm still just feeling so crummy then I'm like okay that's fine I can go home yeah that's such an important part too is for real yeah just the the balance I think that's why a lot of people have coaches too so that people somebody gives you permission not to yeah jog um, did you work with anyone when you were training for dragons back or like because obviously you're not local to Randy then when you're training for this um no so I have so did you do I use um uh I use Devin Featherstone I'm not sure if you've heard of him but he is actually a firefighter in Calgary and then he also runs like fairly competitively as well um so I do a lot of coaching through him and it's nice because being that he's a firefighter in the city he understands shift work so he understands when I'm like I'm just not you know, I'm taking a day and then we'll kind of chat and change around our schedule and, and kind of be like, Hey, well, this is a workout that you can skip. It's not a big deal. And then just make sure you're getting back on like this one. Like don't skip this one, boot this one out for the week. If you're not feeling good. How many kilometers per week are you running to prepare for like a typical hundred miler or now for 200 milers? Uh, so I would say like, there's usually always kind of that like ramp up, ramp down, Um, In the winter, I do a lot of um, cross-country skiing or backcountry ski touring. Uh, It's kind of Mm. like an alternative for getting miles. It's just so much easier on the feet. um, And it kind of gives you still that like endurance base, but it isn't wrecking your feet. Um, But come like right now, uh, probably, probably around like 100 kilometers a week right now. Uh, and then my next race would be Tahoe in June. So I'm just starting to kind of really ramp up elevation. Um, and what about intensity? Are you adding in any intensity when you're training for like a 200 miler race? So the only 200 miler I've done so far is Dragon's Back. 
Um, this will be like this year doing the triple will be kind of that first big delve into to 200 miles. Uh, so I think what I'm, what I really have to focus on is a lot less intensity and more mm-hmm. just like time on feet and just getting comfortable, like almost that fast pack where you just know you're settling in, it's going to be days and just figure that out. And then also because I'm so bad at nutrition while I'm eat or while I'm running, I really have to figure that out. So it's just training. Like yeah. Cause different. I mean, you can tough out the end of a hundred miles, but to then do it again, like there's gotta be some, a way to get it, get something in. Hey. Yeah. So I think like this year it's kind of that like difference where like rather than pushing the pace and really pushing those climbs, like I'll really be like, slowing down perfecting the eating getting used to being slow and getting used to being in a lot of pain (laughs) yeah and really it's like if you take 30 seconds to chew something and swallow it like you're saving minutes maybe hours later on in the race so it's getting your mind around like that patience I guess for that distance yeah a hundred percent like this is this year's going to be a big big learning curve like run wise but yeah, so let's get into tell everybody what your goal is for this year. So uh, this year, I am signed up to do the Triple Crown of Two Hundreds down in the states. So that starts with Tahoe Two Hundred at the end of June, and then that goes into Bigfoot Two Hundred in August. And then, uh, if that's not enough, you also get to do Moab Two Forty in October. I love that you're like, I've never trained for a 200 miler except for Dragon's Back. And then you're like, no, I'm going to do three of them. I know. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I was signed up to do the Orca, the new destination trail, um, Orcas 200. But because of COVID, it got canceled two years in a row. And so um, they'd sent out this email saying like, what do you want to do with your entry? Do you want to roll over? Do you want a refund? Um, do you want to put it towards one of their other races? And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll just do like one of the other 200s. And then I have another friend in the Yukon. She's like, well, why don't you just put it towards the triple? And I was like, the triple? What? Uh, yeah, Challenge and accepted. And then here I am doing the triple. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Yeah. So what are your biggest fears with the 200 mile distance? Oh my goodness. Uh, so I, anybody that knows me or has been on my social media post race has seen that I get hamburger feet from like a hundred miler. So, yeah. And dragon's back. I, Cause your feet are wet the whole time too. I bet you oh had that God. so terrible. Dragon's back. My feet were destroyed for like months afterwards. Um, so my, my biggest fear by far is that my feet are just going to get wrecked in Tahoe and then they're just not going to recover in time for Bigfoot. And it's just going to be this spiral of, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I fear the most for sure. So what do you, do you have any ideas, tips? Like, what are you going to do to try to mitigate that or get ahead of it? So when I did hurt this year, um, one of the big differences was I, like, forced myself to, like, get on the foot care early So when I, you know, when you'd feel like that little blister, instead of just like running through and kind of like, oh, wait till it gets really bad, then I'll take care of it. I like, as soon as I'd get to the next aid station, I would just pop the shoe off, change a sock, you know, like pop the blister, tape it, 
whatever you need to do. And I just got on it right away. Uh, and my feet were noticeably way better at the finish than historically. Like I've like in the past, I've always had this mindset where it's like, well, you know, it's only 10 more hours, like whatever, just struggle through, keep going. The blister will pop. It'll burn for 10 seconds and then, and then you'll be fine, you know? But I think now I need to be in that mindset where like, if anything comes up, like just deal with it immediately and just save yourself in the end game. I heard a lot of people at Dragon's Back are taping for the whole way. I don't, if that's something you should YouTube it. Yeah, I've done, I've done a bit of taping before. It definitely works. The problem with Dragon's Back is because your feet are so wet the whole time. I find that yeah. even if you do like an amazing tape job, you still get a lot of bunching because your feet are just soaked. Yeah, that to me is my night, my nightmare. Yeah. So what is your biggest strength of a runner? What makes you feel confident that you can finish the Triple Crown? Uh, mental. Mentally, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah I, it has to be, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, I can just put myself through the absolutely dumbest day. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, remember that one time I was in pain and I did that and I got through that? Yeah, it's like this. So I'll be fine and keep going. Um, yeah, so mentally, I think good. And then also, I'm used to sleep deprivation. I'm great at it. So... Yeah, that's a tough one. That's so true. You're totally yeah. trained for that, aren't you? I didn't even think of that. I know. Night shift equivalent to probably being like a new mom is like the best people for doing 100 milers because nighttime you're like, oh, I'm always awake all day. Yeah, that is like my biggest fear is like I'm such a sleeper. Even when I had a newborn, I was like, I can't do this. Is it? Is he awake? What's happening? Yeah. But I partied a lot in my young 20s, so that's what I like to like go back to. And I'm like, I used to dance all night. I can run all night for sure. Totally. Oh, my God, I would. <laughs> now I'm like uh, 9 p.m. Oh, my goodness. I should probably start getting ready for bed. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I haven't seen past like 8.30 and forever now. That's that's why I'm like, how could I possibly stay up? Yeah. I'll like <laughs> randomly make a poor choice to pick up like an overtime night shift. And by like oh. 1 a.m., I'm like what have I done? It always seems like such a good choice to do these things until you get to the day. I know, right? So what are your goals for this? Is it just to finish or are you thinking top 10 or, or I guess if it's brand new, you might not have any idea, but what, what are your, um, your like a goal for these races? Uh, so, I mean, obviously I'm not going to go for a win at any of them. Cause I think if you go out and and bust out a win at Tahoe, you, you kind of put yourself like at a pretty low part to start Bigfoot. And then by Moab, you're probably just done for. Um, so finishing, obviously a goal, because this is, I don't think too many people get all three in a year. Um, and I don't know, I kind of have this like, this urge, I kind of want to go for top five in this. So I'm not sure, I haven't even looked at how many women are in um, the crown, but yeah, I don't know. I think that like the longer distances I do, the better I do. So I'm kind of going to try and really push for like a, not a complete fail at Moab. <laughs> <laughs> I think you will have it in you because I think, and this is not an educated guess. This is just yeah. my guess on our conversation. Um, I think you're going to tr basically train yourself into doing Moab. I think the first two are going to get your body used to going that distance and you might feel the best by then. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I hope. But then unfortunately, like if you go on YouTube and you watch anybody's like YouTube documentaries on doing the triple, um, any of them that you see like in Tahoe, they're in great spirits, Bigfoot, like it's so beautiful. Like that's the one I'm the most excited for. And then by the time like their documentary, when they start Moab, like they look so great. And then 10 miles in, they just look like death for 230 miles <laughs> totally but i mean the youtube videos are made to freak you out i feel so that's ignore those that's fair. right yeah because if you watch a video on dragon's back you're like no way anybody in the world ever does that and you did it so that's true and i mean when i had finished that first day in dragon's back i was like my mind was made up i was like i'll go as far as i can but there's not a chance i'm gonna finish this like i'm so out of my realm so yeah. 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 So if you had any advice for younger people who want to get into the sport and maybe you're kind of like you where there's not like a huge community of trail runners around or they're from a smaller, they're living in a smaller town or have an interesting job. What is your advice to people to, to get started? I think if you don't know where to start and you're super intimidated, like First of all, I would see if there's like a trail running group in your community and join them. Um, and if not, like if you're too intimidated or scared to join a race, go volunteer at one. Uh, volunteering is literally the most fun you will ever have at a trail race. And then you meet a ton of people to go out trail running with. And then eventually they'll be like, hey, try this race, you know, and, and then they'll kind of give you ideas of like a race that would be a good entry or whatnot. But honestly, I think volunteering is where it's at if you want to meet people. Totally. The atmosphere is so great. Yeah, it's like, and it's so chill and fun. And like, you're getting so inspired by these people. And then like, you're just jammed and you want to do it yourself. Okay, last couple of questions. First one. So you're having trouble, your stomach's hurting during the race, but post-race, what is your favorite go-to meal? Oh my goodness. Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, beer. <laughs> like Corny DeWalter's my like spirit animal when it comes to food. Like when I see her finish a race and then just crush like nachos and a beer, I'm like, yes. hey, you're my girl. <laughs> um, totally. Yeah, so probably, or like cheeseburgers. Just a yeah, there's something about the like a poutine. satisfying kind of salty stuff Ugh. that's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and last question. If you could describe trail running in three words, what would they be? Oh my goodness, this is a tough one. Isn't Just it? Only three words. Um, mm -hmm. Satisfying. Uh, just adventurous and challenging yeah those I think that sums it up pretty good yeah. well I love your story I'm stoked to see how the triple crown <laughs> goes for you I think it's going to be so fun and so emotional yeah. um which seems like your like favorite type of race so I think it's gonna yeah like I'm definitely like I'm so excited for Bigfoot like if I could only pick one yeah. of the three to do it'd be Bigfoot by far um I know those photos they look like a painting no but the like the elevation so I think like in my mind if I'm like if I can get through Bigfoot then the rest will be fine because I can just like death march the rest out 
what is the total elevation of Bigfoot? Oh my goodness. Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I want to say, I'm a meters person. I want to say it's around like eight or 9,000. Yeah. I have to look it up though. So it's a lot, but it's not totally insane for that distance, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's good. Yeah. But elevation is tough because then you're just like, oh, I am not actually going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, totally. Just, just going up. Um, okay, if our listeners want to find more of you, do you have an Instagram or somewhere they can follow along? I do, yeah. Uh, so my Instagram is at rxtrails. Um, and yeah, I tend to put some some fun adventures on there. If you want to see how beautiful the Yukon is, there'll be lots of photos on there of that. All right. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and I'm excited to get this one out there. Oh, and for congratulations for making the cover of the Yukon um, magazine too. That's super cool. Thank you. Yeah. It was, uh, super exciting when, when, uh, my buddy that did the pictures was like, uh, I have something to tell you. Super cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I think I'm just sort of looking at your Instagram right mm-hmm. now, actually, this is like making me want to go to the Yukon. So yeah, go check it out. Okay. Well, this will come out in a couple of weeks and I'll send you all the links if you want to share and yeah, cool. everybody hit the five-star review button. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you.